this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. The COVID break is in the past, and let's hope it stays in 2021. Ryan Banesh will start the new year on a new team as he's sent to the Albany Firewolf. Matt Vince won the inaugural PMI, and he stopped by to talk about his success, plus another round of box bets. All that more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? Why Dylan Ward? I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Blair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! He is Pat Gregoire. Uh, you can find the show at OTCB underscore podcast on Twitter. He is at Pete Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. Show's also on Instagram, OTCB podcast. Uh, Patty, happy new year. Uh, we have games. We're going to actually do this thing. And you're going to be on TV. Yeah, that's, you know what? We were, like we said last week, we didn't really know what was going on, but we're back. We're, we're so back. I'm excited for the the TSN game, going to Buffalo. Everyone knows Buff Vegas is my second home. So excited, obviously won't be able to get the full Buffalo experience. It's kind of a in and out type of ordeal, but um, I'm just so excited, um, you know, and honored that I'm gonna be able to call a, a TSN game of the week. But I'm also just excited that we get the lacrosse back because honestly, I did not know um, if we were going to have another postponement, I will say, I think we, we kind of dodged a bullet with there only being one Canadian game or one game in Canada this week, uh, and the rest being in the States. So doesn't matter how we got there, Teddy, we're here. Lacrosse is back. It was a short pause. Now we're rolling. Um, sidebar. How many blank Vegases are there? Buff Vegas, Roch Vegas, Sask Vegas, like. Is everything going to be Vegas soon? Everything. I think it's like the uh, the meme from Mean Girls. The limit does not <laughs> exist. Anything could be Vegas. Um, all right. We're, we got a lot to get to. Uh, we got a great interview with Matt Vince coming up in a little bit. He is the inaugural winner of the Patrick Merrill Invitational. As part of his winnings, he gets a guest spot on this show. Uh, so we'll hear from Vino. We'll talk some bandits. We'll talk um, a little bit of everything. Uh, with him because it's a great conversation with a guy who's kind of seen everything, been everywhere and the highs and lows of NLL life through his entire career. And um, 
could have been a defender at one point. We'll, we'll just tease you with that uh, <laughs> as we go on. But as Patty said, we are back. Uh, there is a slew full of games this weekend. We'll get into them. But obviously the biggest news of the week came early on when uh, you had some birdies tell you the news kind of got flushed out. It was made apparent by the National Cross League that Ryan Banesh was being traded from PCLC to the Albany Firewolves. When you first heard the news, was it a shock or did you kind of maybe see it eventually happening that Benny wouldn't be with Panther City long? I think it was, wow, that was quicker than I thought it was going mm, to be. Yeah. Because it was kind of one of those things that I think, and I don't want to say Benny didn't want to be there, but I think it was one of those things where he wants to, you know, compete on a championship team. And unfortunately, as much as PCLC wants to say that, you know, they're, they're a championship caliber team, they're not quite there just yet. They're a team that has a lot of promise and they're building something special, but it's not going to be this year, unfortunately. And I think probably what happened was, hey, you've got one team who has some pieces, like I said, Panther City, they're young, but they do have some expendable pieces. And they were probably planning on moving those pieces a little bit later. But then you've got Glenn Clark knocking on the door. I don't want to say panicking, but certainly worried that his team has started out 0-2 and only scored 15 goals in between Mm. those two games and getting next to no production on that left-hand side. So what do you do? You go get a future Hall of Famer who's near the end of his career, but one thing he can still do is put that little white round thing into the back of the net. And that is exactly what they need. A lot of people are saying like, and I'll get your, your, your word on it. We kind of talked a little bit about it, but I want, do you think that was too much? Because I'm in the mindset. I won't go into it too deep until you answer here. I think it's one of those trades. It's a good trade for both. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I agree. I think it's a good trade for both. I think it's a, it's, it's, it's good for Benny. Um, I think that's sort of the bigger thing. Let's kind of, before we get it, let's go back a few stages. Um, many know Benny just had uh, a new son. Um, so he's got a new family kind of going on with his wife. Uh, he's just built a house. You know, there's a lot of things away from the lacrosse world that have taken Benny's attention and being on a Western division team meant he was doing a lot more traveling than he would probably want to. So being on an Eastern division team always seemed like the place that was going to be the best fit for him. Um, that's why we were all kind of surprised that Panther city took him in that expansion draft. And I think we all kind of thought kind of like you said, that as much as Panther city wants to say, you know, as, as an expansion team, they're always going to be trying to win a championship. The acquisition of Ryan Banesh was going to see, let's see what he can do for our offense. If he can, you know, lead us and be our number one threat. Great. If he can help the young guys, great. First two games maybe didn't go as, or first three games didn't go as well as they had planned. Um, they haven't found a win yet. They've been close a couple of times, but it just wasn't working out. And Albany came calling. Bob Hanley did as any GM would do, try to get them both value. Um, so let's talk about that value. Uh, Johnny Pearson, we know uh, he's on holdout. He's in firefighter school. Will they be able to get him to play? Uh, I talked to Tracy Kluski and Bob Hamley, and they both feel that they're going to do everything they can. If Johnny wants to play, they're going to try to get him in the lineup when they can. Um, they get uh, what a conditional third or conditional fourth uh, next year. Um, and then they first get first round. round. 
which is what the 500th, like <laughs> it's 21st <laughs> overall pick. And um, I talked about this on coast to coast this week um, and I'll kind of rehash it. When, when we all saw that 21st pick in Panto city, putting out that it was a first rounder, we were all like, there's no way that a 21st overall pick and a team with, you know, next year will be 15 teams with Vegas coming in that there's going to be 21 picks in that first round. So I messaged Brian Lemon said, this can't be right. Can it? He said, yep. With Vegas coming in, that gives us 15 first rounders. Then you add in all of the free agent UFAs that were signed uh, during the off season. All those come with a compensatory pick. Mm-hmm. And we don't know how they decide who gets what pick and what the weight of those free agents become as compensatory picks. But according to this, there's going to be at minimum six additional compensatory picks in that first round. So yes, Ryan Manesh is going to be worth a first round pick at some point, the 21st overall, which is going to make that first round pick like seven hours, that first round going to be like seven hours in the draft. Yeah, just when uh, the broadcast thought, oh, we're just going to pick up the first round. It'll be shorter than <laughs> than usual. It's still going to be a long, long. Still going to be a long night. Uh, but I, I, I do think that overall, you know, Albany gets a left-hander that they desperately needed. Uh, a guy that can shoot, pass, kick their ass, do all of those things. Like, Benny's still got it. He may be a year or two left in those legs, but he can still contribute. And for Panther City, they get capital they get draft picks they get depth and if they can get johnny pierce to play they get a serviceable left-hander but as it stands right now what their lefties are will malcolm who's i don't know got maybe eight games in the nll uh nate grennan uh hutchinson and one other guy that names skipping a beat um but like their four lefties have very little experience as it stands right now so i think their offense definitely took a hit and that's the only thing that concerns me for a team that's 0-3 to lose Ryan Banesh and to not really get anyone that's going to be able to slot into your lineup now that's the biggest concern for me for for Panthers the another the other name you were thinking for there was uh Tate Katoni yes yeah he's been up and down off the practice roster exactly so I mean you could spin it two ways you can spin it the one way that you said yeah okay oh geez now they're really light on that left-hand side. Or you spin it the other way, which is probably Bob Hamley and Tracy Kluski and that entire staff are thinking, well, now we have four young kids here. Let's go figure out who's a National Lacrosse League player. Who can be a number one in a couple of years? Who can be a number two? And who's going to be guys? Maybe, you know what? They're just not ready to kick it. And I think that's what they're they're going. And I'm not saying, you know, Ryan Banesh was taking away touches from these guys because at the end of the day, you still need – you know, you need that number one, you need a guy who is going to be able to facilitate the ball on that side. So now what it's going to be is, okay, who is going to take over for him? Who's going to take those shots? And you flip it on the other side, um, just like, you know, like you looking at the righties and the righties have been quite productive with Dodds, with Triolo, like he's been a nice little Mm -hmm. uh, story, you know, 12 points, just as many points as Banesh. But the thing for me with this trade, I think, like I said, I agree with you. It's a good trade for both sides, especially if, if Pearson, even if Pearson never plays a game for Panther city, whatever, you know, they get that first round pick. Um, mind you, it's, it's not your traditional first round pick. Yeah. That's, um, that's you, the thing, right? It's, it's, but it's, it's a veiled first round pick. Like it's I'm a- all over the place right now, but before I forget, you said, so 
it's not really a first round pick. It would be the fifth pick overall in or fifth pick in the second round from this year's draft, which was Jack Kelly. So you're still getting a quality ball player there. You could even say the next pick over there was Asher Nolting, um, Chris Oligrieri. Like those guys are all, that's who you're getting in that. Uh, like Corson Keeley was Patrick 90. Dodds was 21st two years ago. That's what I mean. So you're not, you're not Matt getting Marigny two years before that. Yeah. You're not getting a bona fide, you know, legitimate guy that can step in right away and, and, and be a star on your team, but you're getting a guy that has probably a high ceiling, mm-hmm. um, a, a guy that maybe for whatever reason, he's not in that top of the first round, but he, he's, He's obviously a top 25 prospect. So you're not getting a, a guy that you're never, ever going to see in the lineup. So it's a quality player. Yeah. Uh, I thing- think for, for Panther city, for, for an organization, that's going to need bodies over the next couple of years. Anytime you can get a first rounder, wherever it lands uh, is yeah. going to be essential. Um, this was a question asked to us uh, by Kate from Canada on Twitter. And she wonders, why do we think that Ryan Banesh gets moved around so much? Your take. Oof. That's, you know what, I think, well, for one, I think, especially near the end of his career, I think it's the fact that teams have a hard time putting the ball in the net. And Ryan Banesh is a guy that from the day he's walked on in a national lacrosse league floor to the end, um, he's a guy that can put the ball in that. The other thing, I don't know, maybe earlier on in his career, he was a little bit harder to play with. Um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, needs the ball in his stick or needed to be a guy that, you know, need the ball in his stick, need to be a number one, need to take those shots. Some people said he didn't love running off the floor. There were certain things about his game that people didn't like, but what I will say, and I watched a lot of him last season in, in Halifax. He's not that pup player anymore. He runs hard to the bench. He fights for loose balls. Like there was a point where he was the leading loose ball getter on Halifax on offense with all those freak athletes and those young kids that they have. This is a guy that kind of has rejuvenated his career over the last few seasons. And those, some of those, those negative things that some people may have said about his game or him being one dimensional, that's not the case. That is not the case. And he's loved, loved in the locker room. He's a guy that, you can even just tell when you log on Twitter or Instagram, guys are joking with him all the time. He's a big team guy. And I think it, it, it's not so much that maybe in earlier in his career kind of got tossed around. It's more like, you know, teams want to have a guy like Ryan Benash on the team, because quite frankly, if you look at the all-time leaders, his name is up on a lot of those stats. And yes, it's been because he's been playing for a long time, but it's because he's been playing at an elite level for a long time too. Uh, John Turner, um, put me to task and wanted a trade tree. Um, I was bored, so I did it. Um, and then uh, I completely screwed up by forgetting <laughs> it was originally drafted by San Jose and traded to Toronto. So let's kind of quickly go through. We don't want to hammer this too much, but this is kind of a cool walk down memory lane, um, for the career of Ryan Manesh. So September, 2006 drafted first overall by San Jose before he even plays a game with them on December 2006 him kevin fines chad thompson a 2008 first a 2009 first were traded for darren halls an 07 first rounder and some guy named colin doyle um tom johnson andrew watt and garrett billings were the three players used with those draft picks uh 2009 january he's traded from toronto to edmonton um with 
Derek Sutton's future and future picks for a 2009 first and 2010 second, which became Joel Delgarno and Sean Robinson. July 2009, end of the season, he's traded from Edmonton to Minnesota, along with Scott Self, an 09 ninth um, for Scott Stewart, Ryan Ward, Justin Norbrat, and Richard Morgan. That 09 ninth became Corey Small. Uh, July 2013, he's traded from Minnesota to Buffalo. Finesh, Andrew Watt, and two first-round picks in a third. Uh, that one became Randy Stotts. Another became Seth Oaks. Another one became Frank Brown. August 2017, he's traded from Buffalo to Colorado. Finesh in a conditional 28 third, uh, sorry, 2018 third, which became Denon Armstrong. We're traded for Callum Crawford and Alex Bouquet. Uh, two years later. Colorado to Rochester, straight up for Corey Vitarelli. Only time he was ever traded one for one. And then June 2021, um, he's selected in the expansion draft by Panther City, 10th overall. January 2022, traded for Pearson, a 2022 first and a 2022 fourth. So that is quite the career. He's on his eighth team. He's been traded for five draft picks, including, I think, four first rounders. And he's probably going to be a half. Is he? Here's a final question. Yes, he's got a thousand points. Uh, he's closing in on 300 games, I think. Um, is he a Hall of Famer? Still without a ring. Is he a Hall of Famer? I think he's still a Hall of Famer. I think if he was to get that ring, it's a, he's a no-brainer to be a Hall of Famer. But I think so. I think the things are. You mentioned it. He's got the points. Um, he's played on a bunch of teams, <laughs> but it's the longevity and it's not just, Oh, he's played for a long time and has you know, played 20 seasons where he's put up, you know, 30, 35 points. No, it's, he has played uh, at an elite level for a very, very long time. And I do think it just seemed like it was too fitting with Halifax that, you know, when he was with Rochester, he gets traded for quarter Corey Vitarelli, which don't get me wrong. I love Dogger, big mm-hmm. team guy. Like I like his game, but what Kurt Styers was able to do to pick up him just for one for one, unbelievable trade goes to Halifax, you know, really, um, you know, jumps out, out into that new organization, a new fan base as, as an immediate fan favorite season gets put on hold. Then he gets pulled out to Panther city. A lot of people thought he was just going to, you know what, hang it up. Yeah. Uh, But instead, he says, you know what, I'm going to go, I'll go down to Texas, I'll keep playing. And maybe in the back of his mind, he said, if I go down, someone's going to trade for me. Maybe it's a championship contender. I hope, I hope he can turn things around for Albany, because as you know, at the start of the year, I said, Albany's, this is, this is a team that I think too many people are counting them out. Um, You know, they lose Crawford, they lose LeBlanc, but this is a team that I think can still be competitive and boy, my take looks really cold right now because they're 0-2. But now bringing in a guy like Benny that can, you know, because let's be honest, you look at that offense, they, outside of, you know, Q, he's going to be a bonafide stud. He already mm-hmm. is a really good player. They have a lot of really good players, but they don't have a guy that, you know, can grab the ball and take over a game. Yeah. Well, yeah. now you have that guy in Benesh. When the yeah. ball's in his stick, you know there's a damn good chance the ball's going to go back in that net. Um. Before we get to sort of the other big announcement from the National Crossing this week, um, Jeff Teat is out of COVID protocol. He's been put on the active roster. Uh, Corey Vitarelli for the Wings has been put onto the COVID protocol. So 
Um, we're starting to see players come off. I don't know the exact number. I don't think there's too many guys on an actual COVID protocol as of right now. Do you know the number by any I chance? Don't, I don't know the number. I know that Connor McClellan yeah. uh, from Saskatchewan just got pull, put on it. Um, so I don't know what the number was beforehand, but it's looking like more players are coming off, which is good. But also keep in mind, when we're recording this, this is a Wednesday. So a lot of teams are running today. They're doing tests today. Yeah. So if they test, I do believe they have another opportunity because it's the rapid test to test once again. And then once it gets closer um, to that game time on the Friday, that's when they have to you know, put those players on the COVID protocol right. list. So right now it's looking good, but as more practices come, that's where we're going to see more tests. And, I don't want to be pessimistic here. I'm being more of a realist. There are going to be a few names that you're going to see on this list. That's just the, the nature of, of what we're dealing with right now. Uh, but I will say from what we've seen so far, it clearly is showing though, that, that these teams and these players are doing a really good job, um, you know, keeping themselves safe, whether that's just going to practice, coming home. Um, if they don't have a job where they have to be in, in the public, they're staying at home, working from home and, and trying to keep that, that access um, to the public as minimal as possible. And I know here in Ontario, it's going to be a lot easier because, you know, we're back down. You to guys can't do anything. We can't do anything. Right. Um, I, I know for the guys that during COVID that built um, gyms in their basements or in the garage, they're going to be excited because gyms are closed down now here. So that now is a curveball. Yes, these guys aren't training as hard as they were during the lockdown or during the off season. These guys still, you know, they need to maintain their 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 shape. They need to continue. They're elite athletes. They're professional athletes. Now, where are they going to the gym? So yeah. that throws kind of a curveball into things as well. Um, we'll get into it uh, after the Vino interview, but um, you know, Vancouver and you kind of mentioned Vancouver is the only Canadian team playing. Um, but just today, uh, Toronto announced their game next week. Uh, against Halifax, we played in first Ontario with no fans. Uh, Halifax put out a release today saying um, that they're carefully watching the situation uh, on the, in the Maritimes uh, for their game on the 22nd. That may get moved or postponed. Yeah. So still a lot of maneuvering to go on. And, you know, for, for a team like Toronto, um, Jamie Dow is going to have to be put in some tough positions. And he was on with Jake and Brad this week on Lax Class, Lax class talking about his situation and the situation of a lot of other owners in the National Lacrosse League, uh, you know, some of them are just going to have to bite the bullet and play in front of no fans. And unfortunately, that's the situation that we are in up here north of the border. Halifax has very minimal, if none at all. Uh, Toronto, you can't have any. Saskatchewan really doesn't care. Um, Calgary and Vancouver, I think, are operating at 50%. So um, there's going to be some posturing, some maneuvering around, but hopefully this is uh, a short thing and and we can kind of move on and get full crowds because as everybody knows you turn on tv you see a game in canada there's nobody there you turn a game on the u.s and there's a hundred thousand people there so um it's a strange and crazy time uh, and hopefully we can um kind of move past that and the thing with so the interesting thing with nova scotia is not only can they not have just fans in the building which is similar to ontario they actually just can't even play right now and that's one of the big issues uh and i do believe that that uh, mandate ends next week 
So that's why they had to push back the the game this this weekend. Um, so whether they extend that, then that's probably when they're going to have to then decide if that 22nd game is pushed back. I think it'd be the same thing. Um, you know, if they have to play in front of an empty building, um, that's going to be a decision where either the league postpones that or maybe you relocate the game, um, Nova Scotia. Maybe you find an empty building in Ontario where you can move that game and at least have the game streamed because um, the more you push back, the more challenges you're going to be able to find this uh, these arenas. And yes, Halifax is probably one of the teams that, you know, has the least to worry about in terms of um, competing with other um, teams or events going on. Um, but there are some other teams in this league uh, that, uh, you know, they, they have, you know, really slim pickings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vancouver is one that, that jumps up to me and yes, they're owned by the Canucks. So they do have a little bit of pull, but you know, once things get warmer and restrictions start opening up, they're going to start, you know, oh, there's those concerts that are still booked. And right. even if the Canucks are gone, there's other events that are going to be in the building. It's going to get more and more challenging. Uh, the National Cross League, uh, NLO Unites, and Every Child Matters coming together um, this weekend, especially uh, all teams and players will be wearing orange Every Child Matters shirts to help continue to bring awareness for the tragedies that have befallen um, the Indigenous families and cultures and, and peoples. This is a fantastic move. And we talked to Jessica Berman about this a couple of weeks ago that the NLL needs to make this ideology of respecting our past and our roots um, to be in all matters of their thinking. And I think this is just the sort of the first step and maybe the biggest kind of outpouring of support that they've shown um, since this initiative came about. Yeah, this is, uh, this is fantastic. And this is kind of what you and I said, like when we first heard like, okay, like there's this, this movement, there's this initiative, that's great. You know, we see the stickers on the back of the helmets for every team. That's fantastic. Okay, yeah, they're wearing these 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 T-shirts for warm-ups. Awareness. That is so much. Like that's so big. But what's the next step? And one of the big things is that they are going to sell these T-shirts, and all mm-hmm. proceeds are going to go to the Gord Downey uh, Channy Wenjack Fund, um, which is an unbelievable fund. Um, that helps this exact situation. So uh, if you want to learn more about it, you can go to NLL.com. It's their number one story. Just click that. You can read through it. If you're interested in buying a shirt, I do believe um, they're going to be online. And I think they're also, if you're you know, in the States listening to this uh, or in Vancouver, I, I don't know if it's this week that they're going to have them in the buildings at some of the shops, but I know going forward um, that they will have some of these shirts to buy as well. Uh, starting Thursday, nllshop.com or fanatics.ca. You'll be able to get these shirts as well as all other team merchandise. So if you want to look your best and support your club, also help to initiate some money and donate money to an incredible cause and some unbelievable foundations, um, get yourself an Every Child Matters t-shirt. It is going to be a very emotional weekend uh, throughout the National Lacrosse, including Saturday at your game, the Tucker out, lymphoma night. Um, one of the best nights in the entire National Crossing. We will talk about that night and much more with our next guest, Matt Fitz. He is the inaugural winner of the Patrick Merrill Invitational Fantasy Football League. We've talked about it before. He was the champ. He will get his due and his band is take on the rock this week in the first game in a long time. It's one of the greatest goalies in lacrosse history, period. 
It's Matt Fitz, the Buffalo Bandits, right here on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. Joined now by the first ever Patty Merrill Invitational Fantasy Football winner and one of the all-time greats at his position between the pipes, Matt Vince of the Buffalo Bandits. Vino, how are you, brother? I'm great. Uh, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, Patty's good, and you're good. Sitting on top of the mountain of the PMI. How's it feel? Um, you know, it was great, especially because, uh, you know, my team really struggled. I think uh, going into the playoffs, uh, made some tweaks, and somehow I grinded out some wins. Um, you know, I think the COVID aspect of it helped out a lot with – you know, I looked at other teams' rosters and, you know, players weren't able to play or suit up. And, um, you know, my kind of ragtag kind of lineup kind of got me all the way through. You know, it's all about role players. And I think I had a, I had a lot of them. Um, you were six and eight at the end of the regular season. You were the number, uh, what were you, the eight seed or six seed? What, what were you? I think I was six. Yeah. Um, but there was a few of us tied for, uh, at six and eight. So it was... You know, I, I squeaked in there and I, I was almost out of the playoffs and then, you know, squeaked in. Kind of reminds me of, you know, some of the championships that I've actually won going in as a sub 500 or 500 team. And, you know, you found found ways to win late. But, uh, you know, I, we, we had a tough matchup uh, in the semis and then um, ultimately played against, you know, my for, former goalie partner, Kurt Swagger. And, you know, I think he really wanted it. Like he really, you know, I think he really wanted, he deserved it. He was doing a lot of making a lot of moves and um, felt bad for him, but uh, you know, ultimately you want to win. And that's why you, you're involved in these things. Uh, seven of your nine starters of your championship team were guys you drafted. So you, you got GM in your future, my man. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe football future, but who knows? Uh, yeah. So I, I think, yeah, that's one of the things, or I just didn't do a lot. Um, I didn't make a lot of moves till late, um, but it was uh it was fun regardless, you know, talking with a lot of those guys, um, you know, being, being around them, just, you know, I, I like that open dialogue, um, you know, reuniting with some of the guys that you might not, you know, talk to on a regular basis. And, uh, and that was one thing like with that team um, and, and a lot of the guys involved, you know, across the small world. And it's a great, uh, you know, to be part of some of those relationships, especially when you're, you know, now I'm married with and have two kids of my own. It's hard to, you know, me go out and hang out with a lot of guys, but uh, it was great to get that, uh, that that band back together for a little bit. Yeah, it's a lot of former Orlando Titan guys, uh, guys that you played with, um, you know, during those years down there, including the guy you played in the finals. And he joins us now, Kurt Wagger. Wags, how are you, brother? Oh, I'm great, boys. I'm great. <laughs> Coming in second place, back up my whole career. Vino's, yeah, it was real fun, Vino. Hey. Oh, uh, you know what? This is this. I was not expecting this. I, I know I, I, I mentioned that how good this uh, dialogue would be, especially because, you know, Wags is one of the guys where if, if I would rank him as one of the all time great, you know, p- goalie partners that I've ever had, uh, you know, being not only, you know, in the locker room, but it being on the bench, all those little things. He just makes it like for a guy who's pretty serious, he, he brings that smile out of everybody. And, um, you know, I just love hearing him talk and, and get involved. oh you know you're making you're making me up you're making me tear up over here bud <laughs> you know what, uh, b- before we get all before we get all lovey-dovey like i mean teddy yeah is this the first time i've been on your podcast uh yeah it's the first time you've ever done anything of note wags jeez that's crazy <laughs> i had to lose a football fantasy league tournament <laughs> to join your podcast 
Oh, hey, Greggy. Oh, hey, it's, there's no, there's, uh, there's no, um, it's not a coincidence that I joined the podcast and then Wags comes on the show. So yeah, <laughs> don't let Teddy go. take all the credit. That's why you're on the show because I'm on the show now. Well, you know, hey, Vino, hey, Vino, you know, I played with a lot of good goalies. I guess you're probably one of the best, I'd say. You know, you're the you're the only one still playing. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you did you play know. with a lot of good goalies, though, eh, Wags? Like you did. I did. I played. That's why I never. That's why I couldn't get any minutes. <laughs> you know, I couldn't get any minutes. I had to wait till guys got hurt. But they're, they're um, and you got a lot. You got a lot of the greats to play better. Like I, I got, think, like I, I got the greats. Guys, I think Patty Campbell. Yeah, those were the days of Edmonton today with Patty Campbell. Uh, oh yeah, Patty Campbell was my first roommate in the NLL, <laughs> and then, uh, and then I got what do we have? Curtis Palador there. Yeah, Pally. Yeah. Disher, Matt Disher, Matt yeah. Disher. Yeah. And then, uh, then I had Big B Miller, uh, Cause, you know, Vino. So I mean. It was a good round. I don't know if I forgot anybody, but. And you guys played together too, right, Teddy? Yeah, we, we were together in Edmonton uh, those yeah. first couple of years. And, and Wags was a beauty. Him and uh, Matt Gallon were the king of the ascots. They never wore ties. <laughs> they always wore ascots yeah. to the games. We tried to start a That's trend when we lived there. Died, like our record that year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many games did we win there, Teddy? Uh, one. One that first year. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the first year, yeah. Yeah, uh, we were pretty bad. Um, Wags, how's things? You're in Kelowna now. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in Kelowna. I'm just driving down from Big White here in uh, the beautiful Okanagan. It's like a, I don't know, last, I moved here last summer, and they, I didn't even buy a snow shovel. Now I, I had to, it's like I almost need three. It's like false advertising. <laughs> yeah, you're in a bad spot. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful place, so it's great. Not a lot of lacrosse here, so I'm kind of missing that. So it's always, you know, nice to, you know, touch up with the boys and, um, but yeah, no, it's beautiful here. It's not too bad. It's not just a little, little ride from you, Teddy. No, it's not. I'll get there in the summer, but, um, what was it like? Did yeah. you ever think Vino would lay his sword down and let you win? Uh, what he, well, he's, he's saying in the chat that he wanted me to win. <laughs> that makes it worse if I did win. You know what I mean? It's like he was preparing himself to lose, but you know what? It's not, it has nothing to do with Vino. It has nothing to do with anything. It has, all it has to do with Antonio Brown. I oh can't yeah. Believe. You got screwed up. I can't believe that. And I mean, I don't, I don't play a lot of football fantasy. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not a, fo- a huge football guy. I mean, I did great. Cause you know, I'm a good GM and stuff like that, but um, <laughs> God, man, that Antonio Brown, I, I it just ruined my day. I just went silent after that. I was all excited. And then that happened. So. And, and, it, and it hurt your, like it just hurt your overall team. I think you had a couple of guys like that. And, uh, and you, you threw in the rat. You, I didn't even know Antonio Brown like what would actually happened until you threw it in the chat and it actually came on. There's nothing. I watched the red zone and it's not in on like on the red zone at all. And then all of a sudden that is the only non-scoring play to show be shown. I'm like, Oh, like that zone. You, wait, you didn't even, wait, you didn't even watch football that day. No, I watched red zone. So you watched just the scoring oh. play. Oh. You gotta get the, the zone, the zone. The zone. Right, I, I don't want to point any fingers, but you know, you're the guy who brought in Antonio Brown. You ignored all the red flags. You knew that there was yeah. a possibility this could happen down the stretch. Well, so. well I didn't. I, I didn't think he would leave halfway through the game. I mean, he got the most points my wide receiver had the week before, and I got OBJ. I just had. I had a cancerous team, but it was good. We were a good team. You know, oh yeah, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. So I approved of yeah. your roster. I had you guys pegged yeah. before on on the week before. You were my pick. 
Sorry, Vino, but I, I, I mushed, I mushed your eggs and Vino. So I went to you, but you're the reason. I'm the reason you won. I, I yeah. picked it. You know my history. Well, seven seed. I mean, yeah, seven seed. I mean, you know what? Hey, goalie union final. You can't go wrong. Yeah, goalie that. union in a six, seven seed. What a bunch of scrubs we were. Um, Wags, I uh, appreciate you hopping on, buddy. We will do this again and uh, I'll see you in the summer. Yeah. But drive safe, okay? Okay. See you later, Vino. See you, boys. Yeah, see, see you, Wags. Um, awesome. I, I absolutely love that guy. Uh, he, he was a riot and, and you kind of mentioned, um, the role of the backup isn't an easy one. Um, were you ever a backup in your career? Um, yeah, I, I think you know, like I was a third string, um, in San Jose, uh, I, Anthony Cosmo, Cosmo and Brandon Miller, they got, I get, and I get drafted there. I'm like, Oh man, like, I'm never going to play because I grew up, you know, playing against Brandon Miller and junior, you know, he's three or four years older than me. And then causes, you know, he's Anthony Cosmo. So I get, I get drafted there. I'm third string. And there is a couple of times where I almost had to play out like D because I was a field across guy and I caused like, no, you're not playing D type of thing. And, you know, you look at it like San Jose that, you know, they made Paulie Dawson, who was a great junior goalie transition to D. So, um, you know, it's funny I talk about that with cause now, like I could have been a D guy. Right. Um, and out of the league probably. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then I was a backup to start with Curtis Palador in, in New York for, you know, the first four or five games. And, um, and then I got in and my first game was really, I, I, I jumped in in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, super nervous. You know, I think we we're down six, six, nothing in the first five minutes. So I'm like, Oh, man, I'm going to have to play in this game. There's 18,000 people never had more than four saves in, in the NLL. And I, I'm in. What was that? And like? now, scared. I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're playing for those 18,000 fans. Is, is there better, any better environment of a home base fans than, than bandit land? Cause it is as storied as it gets. Yeah, I think, and I, and again, I was a kid that grew up, you know, going to the games in the odd and when they're, you know, I'll sell you the whole seat, you only need the edge type of thing. And I've been in those ruckus crowds. Like I was a part of that growing up and, uh, you know, I, you know, playing for the opposing team, it was either the, you know, the best night of your life or the worst night of your life type of thing. And, um, you know, having the opportunity, I just talking with Billy D, you know, and his, you know, he's one of my good friends and he just said, you know, yep. You're going to, you need to experience what I was going through for agents. You need to experience, you know, playing and, and being really treated like a professional. I think that's, you know, when you're in that atmosphere, you're around the organization, um, you know, you're, you're that you feel like you're a professional athlete. And, you know, when you're playing for the other, some of the other teams where they're struggling for fans, you know, we didn't, ha- we didn't experience that in Rochester because we have great fans there too. And, um, and I was treated very well there, but it's just a totally different thing when you're playing in that big arena and it's sold out. There's jerseys coming in and out. Everybody's in orange. Um, you know, I, I truly think that there's only, you know, one other type of environment like that in the NLL, and that's playing in Colorado. So those are the two where I think it's, you know, they've done really well. And, you know, if there's a model to, to, to for future teams to go by, I think it's, it's theirs. You were talking earlier about some of those championship teams. Some of them were, you know, absolute wagons from start. Some of them, you kind of go into playoffs. But usually at the start of camp, regardless of what, 
the record is going into playoffs at the start of camp, you have a vibe, you have a feel that, you know what, this can be a championship team. Is that what you guys had heading into camp into this year? Do you guys have that championship feel with this group? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the Buffalo group, I think it was huge for our guys, um, you know, that really push in and, and they experienced being a, being a champions in the PLL. I think that was a big part. Um, you know, they got a little bit of the taste uh, I look back to our teams in Rochester, we had winners on that team. You know, they experienced, you know, Cody Jameson, you know, he, he just plays big and big games. So, um, and we had a bunch of other guys, Stephen Keel, they, they experienced championships in college and that translated well into early careers uh, in the NLL. And then now we get these guys, you know, five of them or six of them are uh, experiencing championship runs in the PLL, uh, you know, a Cinderella story, you know, against all odds type of things. And hopefully that's going to be contagious for some of our other guys that haven't experienced that before. Um, you know, that leadership in the locker room and playoff games is huge. And, you know, you know, before I think going into that first playoff game, with the exception of myself and Steve Priolo, a few guys won man cups, but, um, you know, nobody has really won a, an all championship. And now these guys have won at the professional ranks. So I think that's huge. You talk about the chemistry of that group, you know, uh, that core group that lives in Buffalo, you know, Dane, Kluch, Burner, um, all those young guys that just seem to be having fun. Who, whose ego is getting a little too big for their britches? Who needs to be taken down effect? Well, it's funny because I, I, I look at some of these guys and, you know, when you play against them, you think that they're very, they have that big ego, but, you know, you when you meet them and you really, you know, get to hang around them, they're, they're all pretty easygoing guys. But like in practice, for example, like I don't want Dane to score. Like he's one of the guys where like I don't let him score, uh, or I try not to. Like he's going to score because he's good. But you know, I, it's all those little things. I just try to you know try to get it in his head a little bit, and uh, maybe because I played against him for so long in, in, in that rivalry with well, that's so why I have it. But uh, you know, I like to kind of you know chirp Dane a lot, uh, and then the other guy that you know I, I have a good relationship with is uh, Ian McKay. You know, he j- kind of jokes that he's you know, my, that I'm his father type of thing. Cause I'm older. And he was in the 2006, you know, his uncle's Jim Moss. And I played with Jim Moss. So basically I'm, the, I'm, I'm his father. So he calls me dad. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes he comes in the crease and goes, sorry, dad. <laughs> so. um, the, the addition of Connor Fields uh, is a pretty neat one. And you mentioned, you know, being a St. Catherine's guy, you could hop across the border and go watch bandit games growing up he literally lived like 20 minutes from the arena growing up in upstate new york how cool is it to see a hometown guy playing for the buffalo bandits because there's not many of them you know those buffalo area guys in the league yeah he you know going into training camp he was just super excited to be in the building like i he was in san diego when we played um they played at the, you know, the key bank center. So, you know, he's been there, but like, he was just like walking around, like looking at the Sabre stuff. Like he was just excited. And I think that excitement is huge. Like maybe, you know, you need that little bit of a boost going into camp. Um, you know, now you, you throw him in the mix with, you know, all, all the you know great left-handed players and our overall offense. And, you know, he's been a stud. Um, you know, he's kind of been that like a little bit of a difference maker where, um, you know, you know, teams, maybe underestimate him a little bit. And they're like, Oh, we'll let that guy shoot. And then he just scores three goals. So, you know, he's been great. And I think he's just soaking it all in. And, you know, it's exciting when you're able to play in front of your friends and family every single night. Um, you know, that's a big motivating factor. Yeah. I think everyone just knows how good he is at field across, but forget this is a guy that 
when he was younger, cross the border to play box lacrosse. And he, even since he jumped in the league, you've always been able to know that he would translate to the box game because, well, he, he played it at a young age. Uh, just looking at the schedule here, obviously big game this weekend. But when you look back with your guys' bye and, and everything that's been pushed off, now all of a sudden you guys haven't played since December 11th, almost a full month after jumping right into things, you know, after almost three years off. How is the, how difficult is that going to be? Getting all that action right away and then having such a long layoff um, due to some unforeseen circumstances. Yeah, you know, I think mentally it's been pretty tough. Like you're trying to stay involved. Like there's only been you know one lacrosse one weekend of lacrosse that we actually missed. Um, you know, with some of the other games getting postponed or or pushed back. So um, you know, after a three year layoff or almost two year layoff, and now we're back in the mix. You know, for us to get going out of the gates two and zero, and then you know basically have the season halt for for basically you know a month. It seems like we've sustained a little bit of an like almost our whole team got an injury, and, and we're trying to get back and, and do all those things. And and now you're doing training on your own. Um, you know, we've had a couple team meetings, but it's not the same. Um, we have practice tonight, so hopefully, you know, I'll get some of the kinks out there. And um, you know, you just expect everybody to be a professional, and, and hopefully, you know, we've done all the right things, you know, over the last last month. But I'm really excited to get back back at it and and see if we can continue off with that with a great start. But, you know, we're in tough with a couple of great component, uh, opponents coming up too. Uh, Saturday is the TSN game of the week, um, but it's also Tucker out lymphoma night. One of the greatest nights um, in the entire NLL across the board. Uh, you knew Tucker, you knew Sean, you know, you know the family very well, you know the story. How special of a night is this for you as a player? Well, uh, you know, everybody in the lacrosse community knows that, you know, Sean Williams is one of the best teammates of all time. You know, I've had the opportunity to play with him with King Canada and in Rochester, you know, I knew Tucker, you know, since he was real little and, you know, he sat in my stall in, in Rochester because I sat beside Sean Williams. So it, it's one of those things where you, his name comes up and it's like a chilling experience. Like I get goosebumps, I get chills. And I think a lot of the guys in the locker room have that same feeling. Um, just even in our group chat, you know, I, I think, we're trying to let some of the younger guys know, um, you know, what type of family and, and, and all those things that, you know, truly, so they have a good under, understanding of what this night means, not only to our organization, um, to the whole lacrosse community, but all, overall the Williams and, and, and trying to make sure that that memory, um, you know, is, is kept going and, 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 and everybody, you know, does all the right things. And I think, you know, Sean Williams is one of the guys that he did all the right things. I think that's, kind of what this this whole night uh, represents. Uh, on the heels of that, uh, the National Lacrosse League and the NLL Unites, uh, all the players are going to be wearing the Every Child Matters t-shirts this weekend. Um, what have you learned about, you know, the story of residential schools and the pain that um, the survivors are going through? What's maybe the biggest story that you've taken away from all this? I, I think when things actually hit close to home and I think some of our, you know, some of the friends that you might've had in the lacrosse community, like they're sharing stories about, you know, what their grandparents experienced. I think, you know, Cody Jameson jumping on and talking about his grandmother and, you know, all that, all those different things. Like, um, I think, the, you know, Halifax did a great job um, explaining, you know, the handprints um, and, 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 you know, the symbol, uh, um, the reasoning behind why those were chosen. I think that was a big part because 
it, it's weird when when you don't know some people and then all of a sudden you know of all the people that were you know maybe touched or how it impacted them and and then you almost you know you develop even more empathy for 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 that whole situation because it's truly one of the things where you're, you know you're shocked and you're you know appalled at the same time and and now, now hopefully we can be in an, an area or an avenue, you know, for hopefully to increase some change. Absolutely. Now, moving back towards the game here, it's Toronto, it's Buffalo. Anytime these two teams meet, and yes, you've played them a ton, uh, not so much uh, in this Bandits jersey too often, but anytime these two teams play, it's always a special game. And it's always a big game. How excited are you guys to get going here? Uh, yeah, it's huge, especially because, uh, you know, we've had a couple, you know, we've had that month off and now we're playing Toronto, a team that's come, came out to a hot start. And, you know, these are important points, um, you know, these head to head points with a team like Toronto, you know, um, you know, those rivalries, Halifax, all these teams are, we're in a tough division and, you know, every point matters, you know, and there's no easy wins and a team like Toronto, where we think that, you know, that could be if we make the playoffs or we're fortunate to make them, we'll probably have to get through them. So we know how talented they are. And, um, you know, they are a tough matchup for us. You know, historically we've, we've struggled a little bit with them and hopefully we can come out with a, with a 60 minute effort and, and get a, get a, a great quality win against a good opponent. Uh, one of the guys that we we'll facing is Dan Dawson and it'll be his 300th career game in the National Lacrosse League. Uh, you've been around almost as long as he has. He seems to continue to find the fountain of youth. How special is it to see a guy like Dan Dawson continue to play the way that he does at such a high level at the age that he is? Well, you know, if you think about a uh, constant professional, that's Dan Dawson. You know, he, he, you know, his, you know, he leads by example, um, whether, you know, it's, you know, how hard he works on and off the floor. Um, he just says the right things. He knows how to, um, you know, be a great teammate. And I think those are the reasons why he's able to, to last, you know, he, he takes care of his body. If there's somebody that's going to, that you want to look up to as a, you know, as an offensive player, I think it, it's gotta be Dan Dawson. He, you know, he's, he's just great in every facet of the game. Um, and that's why, you know, he's doing all the, you know, all those big things. Uh, you know, it's great to, you know, watch him go up, the stat chart hopefully we can you know keep him at bay he's a tough task but um you know he's a friend of mine and uh you know he was a great teammate you know so i'm I've nothing but you know great things to say about dan dawson talked about how long you've been around the game around the league as a goaltender uh, we we talk about how much the game has changed you know from the players a lot faster, more transition for you, for a goalie. Have you had to change too much of your game as the game has progressed? Yeah. Yeah. I think every game, every game is different. Every uh, year is different. You know, you know, teams have different philosophies. Uh, you know, just, I think, you know, a lot of teams have adopted a lot of the stuff that's made Saskatchewan uh, successful. So, um, you know, I've changed a bit, but a lot of the time, sometimes you, you go back to it. So, there's been subtle tweets here and there. And, you know, sometimes you go back to the things that you maybe started from, because, um, you know, you want to make, for as a goal, you want to make, uh, make it seem like you're changing, you know, just so, you know, keep the, them on their toes. I always say like a lot of the times, you know, playing some of your, all these guys you've been around forever, they only, they know what you're going to do. Um, but it's like a game of rock, paper, scissors. Right. So, you know, sometimes I, 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 I have, you know, three different things and, I'm, and I might just, you know, make one change here or there. Um, but you will always want to change it up a little bit. Um, but again, 
uh, you know, good players, you know, they stick with what works and um, it's, it's tough to make major changes. Like, I don't think you're going to see me coming over the top of the crease anytime soon and um, <laughs> doing any of those things. Uh, I, I don't feel comfortable there. I'm like, well, where am I supposed to be here? But uh, yeah, I think, I think it's uh, less is more, especially when you get a little bit later on in your career. Uh, Patty and I talked about this on last week's show and, and we talked about it at nauseum. Anytime the, the conversation of expansion comes up and, and the idea and the thought process of where are the goaltenders going to come from? Do you uh, maybe agree or do you have a thought process on the, the goalie pool and how it will be maintained as, as the league continues to expand? And, and by all accounts, the commission wanted to get to, you know, 20 teams in the next few years kind of thing. Well, I, I do think that, you know, right now, because guys have had limited minutes, you know, they've had limited time to, to grow, but there are some good goalies out there. I think, you know, you see that in preseason, but generally it's hard when there's so many older guys that are kind of hogging the time, right? And I'm, you know, one of them, and we got, you know, you got a guy like Mike Poole and another guy where now all of a sudden, you know, two of his young goalies are now starting goaltenders uh, in the league. So I, people are getting limited exposure, especially with, you know, the playoff, the, the summer, summer ball being shut down. But I do think there's going to be good goalies. It's just a matter of getting your time and hopefully, you, you know, you make the best of it. Cause there's been a time where, you know, people might've said that about me. They might've said about Mike Poole and, uh, and then you get an opportunity. Um, so, so hopefully, you know, it's, it's great what we've done with the league with all the expansion and it's exciting times. It's almost like I wish I had, you know, 10 more years, you know, to go because I think, um, you know, I think we're going to be in a good spot, you know, moving forward, you know, with, especially with the type of ownership groups that they've been announcing. Shit, you're in the best shape of your life. You're not going anywhere, bud. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny because as you get older, it's not like I feel older. It's not like I'm in the neck going like, Oh man, I'm, I feel like I'm 39. Like, I don't know what that feels like. I don't know. I just remember what 32 feels like in, in 28, but it's, it's all blended together. So, um, just hopefully, you know, guys can, you know, stay injured, uh, free of injuries and, and hopefully I can, you know, play a few more years. You talked about already St. Catherine's boy. How cool was it to see? I know it was a shortened season, but still St. Catherine's the A's pick up the Ontario championship this past summer. Well, yeah, it's one of those things where I think it's like Teddy could uh, attest to it. Like when you grow up in one of those lacrosse towns, like St. Catherine's is a lacrosse town. We've, we've had some great teams, so the, you know, the, the, the motto is bleed the double blue. And I think every player that's played in St. Catharines bleeds the double blue. And, you know, I've had the opportunity to, to be on some great teams here in St. Catharines, play with some great players. And now I've, um, as a high school coach, you know, I'm around those kids again. And I, you know, I, I coached like five or six of them in high school um, or I taught them or I coached them in hockey. And to see those guys win, it's, it's one of those moments where, you know, you're just happy and, you know, you get that again that chilling moment. You know, when you when you actually see the game and you see how they're successful, and I almost feel bad because they had a solid group where I think you know they might have had a legitimate chance to experience something that you know I was able to to do winning the Minto Cup in St. Catharines, and I feel like they almost got a little bit robbed. Uh, a couple more questions for you here before we let you go. Um, you are in St. Catharines. Uh, you are in Ontario, a province that just can't really get out of its own way with all this COVID stuff, but you're also a teacher. How tough is, has it been as a teacher to, to maneuver through the pandemic and, and keep your kids on track? 
Yeah, it's been really tough. Um, even before the Christmas break, we I had to move pivot to virtual um, as you know a couple of kids were exposed, and um, it feels like everything's just you know once you get the grasp on it, you know rules or regulations have changed, and um, I feel bad for the kids. You know, I, again, I coach the high of the hockey team. Um, a lot of the t- kids were just getting back in the groove of things. You know, some kids in grade nine, they've never they're now in grade eleven, they never experienced a regular year of high school, and. Um, you know, I, I almost, I feel bad for them. They just want to get back to normal. And, uh, you know, you just try to do as best you can to, to make sure that their, their experience is a good one. And I think overall it's, 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 it's gotta be tough on them, but, um, you know, they're pretty resilient and, uh, you, you know, being able to jump back to my, my, my professional sport playing lacrosse, you know, I, 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 again, I just feel overall bad because, you know, they don't get to, to, to play a game that they love um, based on all these ever-changing rules. Uh, last one for you. This might be the toughest one we've asked you all day. Who gets in the Hall of Fame first, uh, Billy D or Mark Stainhouse? Well, that's a, that's a tough one because, um, you know, they're two good friends of mine. And, uh, you know, Billy grew up being my guard dog. He used to come back in the crease saying, guard dog ready to report. <laughs> <laughs> into the crease and he would say let me off my leash so I grew up with Billy I know Mark really well like I've known Mark since I was in mid, like grade 10 but I've known Billy forever so I gotta say Billy D but Mark Steinhouse has done some great things in the game and you know he's he's a you know they're both great you know Buffalo Bandit great for the Buffalo Bandits but overall they should both be in so um Billy, because I know him a little bit better. He's, you know, he's one of my best friends. So, ah, uh, that's, that's a great answer. And, and both characters, both like you said, both bandits through and through, and um, were two of the best ever. Prefer perfect their craft. You know, you are one of the best ever. Perfect your craft. We appreciate your time again. Congratulations, champ. You uh, are you going to change the name, or is it going to say the PMI? I think I'm going to keep it with the PMI just because I think Patty Merrill hopes that I'm going to change it and. He does not like the name. So I just like to grind him a little bit more. So, and are you going to change your football name or is it always just going to be Vino's fantasy football team? <laughs> I thought it was funny. It was just like a re- regular thing. And I didn't want to say anything. I, don't know. I said um, last week on the show, I said, it's so bad. It's good. I loved it. I, I loved yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's original. All right, buddy. Uh, best of luck this weekend. Uh, give my boy Brad McCulley some love. Uh, make sure he doesn't score on you. Uh, best of luck in the TSN game of the week. And best of luck going to WrestleMania for my man. Thanks very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, guys. Bandits 2-0, looking to go 3-0 on Tucker Out Lymphoma Night. An absolutely fantastic cause. Um, one of the best nights, as mentioned, in the entire National Cross League. If you ever had a chance to run into Sean, or if you were ever lucky enough to meet young Tucker, um, you knew how special of a young man he was, how much he meant to that family, but also what a great family the Williams are, period. Um, So that will be a very emotional night, as it always is uh, in Buffalo, Bandit Land. Um, Just some incredible scenes have come out uh, of those games. I remember when Tucker was still with us and he was sitting up uh, in a booth or in a box um, inside bandit land and all the players and fans stopped. And I think it was a TV timeout. They stopped, they played a little video. They all turned up and they waved to Tucker and they gave him a standing ovation. Just 
chills on a night like that. And, and I'm super excited for another edition of the Tucker Out Lymphoma Night this Saturday night. You'll be there for the TSN Game of the Week, you and John Abbott. Um, it's going to be a special night. It certainly is. And I couldn't be more you know, honored to be a part of it. Uh, I, I know the Williams family quite well. I knew Tucker pretty well. Um, and, you know, uh, just to know that, uh, you know, he's going to be watching down on that game. And, um, you know, obviously it, it's, it's, it's so tragic to, to uh, that we lost him at such a young age because he was, you know, such a, a special boy. Um, you know, he, he probably was going to be playing in the National Lacrosse League at some point um, or the NHL or as as John some, sometimes says, or in prison because he, he's <laughs> such a crazy kid. Um, but he, uh, you know what, the, what the awareness um, and his legacy, what his legacy has left um, is so special. Uh, it has been a long time since he's passed, but uh, we can still feel him here with us every single day appreciate matt vince coming on and talking about and sharing some stories uh he beat kurt wagger in the finals uh, i beat billy greer um in the three four game uh, grizzle was the number one seed so uh, he got bounced pretty hard uh we'll have jordan hall on hopefully next week he finished dead last in our pool so we uh we'll get a few minutes with him to to rib him and tell him how bad he was and he knows that his football team was pretty bad um are your bills gonna make a serious run here like should i be hopping on the wagon or what i don't know teddy i don't know it's positive vibes yes. patrick oh hey you know what it's they're they look great against the patriots the week before uh it was ugly ugly against the falcons but they got it done um i mean josh allen throws uh three picks i think it was throws for like 150 something 60 something yards and they still put up 29 points it seems like they've found a little bit of a run game here so i'm not going to get too excited but i'm also not going to be doom and gloom if they beat the jets they win the division for two straight years which hasn't happened in a billion years so the fact that bills fans including myself are are you know they clinched last week and there's not chaos in buffalo people jumping through chairs or tables instead they're saying like okay well like we want to worry about the division well we would, who are we going to play in in the in the first round of the playoffs or what what seating are we getting three years ago it's like we made the playoffs right yeah you know what i mean like it, it, the the it's mind, a different mindset mafia has changed and that's what what willing winning will do right before it's you just want to get there now it's you get the taste you now it's okay we got to the conference uh, finals last year. We want to get to the Super Bowl, and it's uh, it's crazy considering how much of a wild roller coaster of a ride it used to be for for Bills fans at the start of the season. Oh, this is our year. Week three, we stink. Trade the entire team. You entire know, uh, you know what it reminds me of. What's that? The Edmonton Oilers, and I'm so glad we're recording on Wednesday, so I don't have to hear you <laughs> gloat about uh, your team kicking the crap out of my team tonight so super glad we're we're not gonna have to talk about that just debacle that is the Edmonton Oilers um so let's <laughs> talk lacrosse some more week six as mentioned we are on Friday night Colorado at Vancouver um a battle for first place in the west our boy Adam Levy tweeting out that both Alex Bouquet Dylan Ward have the most saves 
in the National Lacrosse League going into this week, but something's got to give, right? Like, they obviously both can't win. So, battle for first, who takes it? This is weird, too, because it is a battle for first, but I feel like the vibes between both teams are, are completely different. Whereas with Vancouver, it's like, wow, like, you know, two and one, they could easily be three and oh right now. The offense is clicking. The defense has been really impressive. Alex Bouquet's playing the best lacrosse we've ever seen. Um, on the flip side, though, Colorado in the mix, but we really haven't, we have no real true feeling mm. of what this team is. We've seen some unbelievable games. We've seen a stinker of a game. And then we saw another game kind of where they went through the mo like the, the motions and they look great at some points. And mm -hmm. this is just for, for me, it, I feel like if I'm picking a team, I'm going with Vancouver um, just based on the fact I know what I'm getting. But I think if you grab Colorado's best of their best from what we saw, I think they're they're a team that can be Vancouver, but I just don't know what Colorado team I'm expecting here. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. I think Vancouver is probably more of the betting favorite on this side, but if if Colorado can string some things together and Dylan Ward can play lights out, then the Mammoth definitely have a shot. But that bouquet Ward battle is definitely going to be an interesting one. Obviously, um, there's sort of some history with bouquet being in Colorado. So there might still be a bit of a book on him, um, but I think that'll be a great first game to kind of kick things off after such a long break. Then we get to Saturday and what's that? One, two, three, four, five games, including Patrick. I didn't realize this until Devin mentioned it uh, to me on coast to coast. It is a noon Eastern game between the wings and swarm. The yeah. wings play the Eagles play. And the Flyers play, I believe, all in downtown Philadelphia on Saturday. It is all, going to be madness. Yeah, all, all in within walking. Xfin yeah, Xfinity Center Square Plaza, Xfinity exactly. Live. Well, two, yeah, they're all right there. Two of them are in the same building. Two yeah. of them will be in the same building. The other one's just down right. the road. That's yeah. going to be amazing. And if you've never been um, to Philadelphia for – uh, well, one, a Wings game. I haven't been to a Wings game yet, but I've been um, to an Eagles game, a Phillies game, um, and, and a um, 76ers game. That area there is so, so impressive. It is so cool. Yeah. Uh, like you could hit a football, like you could stand at, at Wells Fargo and throw a football pretty much to uh, the link. Like, and, and then down the road from there, you've got the ball ballpark. And then mm -hmm. down the road from there, you have Xfinity. It's so cool. Yeah. That is going to be buzzing. And the fact that it's a noon game um, on ESPN news, I think that's where you're going to, this is, this is the peak game, the game that where you're going to get Johnny casual sports fan sitting on his couch, you know, with, with a cold one in his hand, getting ready for, for, uh, a solid day of sports and turns it on and says, Oh, lacrosse is on. I haven't seen this in a while. Watch it and be like, Oh my God, this is awesome. Yeah. Because yes, the primetime games are great, but let's be honest, they're going up against whether it's the NBA, whatever, whatever else is going on that night or here in Canada, the NHL. Um, but when you have just that random noon slot on a Saturday, that is perfect. That is exactly, exactly what this ESPN deal especially is all about. Yeah, ESPN Game of the Week, Brendan Glass Sheen will have the call. 
Um, I'm looking forward to it. That's going to be um, a very big game for Philadelphia. Are they for real? And I shot a message to um, my former coach, Paul Day. I said, how's Higgy? Because we haven't really seen him since he took a ball to the face in Toronto a couple weeks ago. Said he's doing good. Got a broken nose. But they'll have practice uh, this week, and that'll be sort of his first test since it happened. But all signs point to him playing. So that's great news um for him and for the wings is this a trap game for philadelphia because you know georgia struggled out of the gate and philadelphia has kind of been impressive out of the gate they need to make sure that they're on their best behavior or they're going to lose a game they should probably win i would say if they didn't lose against toronto and they were coming into this game undefeated 110 percent um that would be a trap game but with that being said still um, you know, afternoon game, weird things seem to always happen in those afternoon things. games. And the thing that scares me if I'm a Wings fan, national telev- televised game, Lyle Thompson. Mm. Does that not smell like him taking over and, and, and throwing up like an eight spot on these guys? Like It does, but Glash had a great point on Coast to Coast this week that I think in the last two games, Lyle has two goals and eight assists. Maybe it's even the last three games that they played each other, and Philadelphia has found a way to shut down Lyle. Well, so, well, well, so Mr. Glash with the facts. Well, if that's the case, then well, you still got Shane Jackson on the other you side. You but no, I think this is going to be a great game. I, I think mm-hmm. we will see an entertaining game, and I do think that Paul Day is going to do everything in his power to make sure that that's not a trap game. Yeah, yeah, I, I think Philly comes out. Uh, on the other end of the right end of that one. Uh, Calgary at Rochester is Rochester for real. This is a huge proving point. Um, you know, they're coming off that win against Albany in a bit of a route. They're coming off the Ryland Hartley fight. They're coming off Evan Kirk saying he's going to be unavailable. Um, you know, we've talked at nauseum about Charlie Bertrand. This is a massive moment for this Rochester team. If they win this game, they bump up the standings a bit. They kind of create some space below them um, and maybe start to make a bit of a run for the playoffs. Absolutely. And I, it's certainly not a must win because no. a, at the start of the year, B it's against a, a Western team in your own arena, but boy, this would be a win. Like you said, it would be so nice to have that win in your pocket when you're getting to the knee and gritty uh, playing your teams in the division. And if you do drop one of those games, at least you have in the back of your mind, well, thank God, you know, we didn't drop that game to Calgary at the start of the year when we were, you know, really starting to pick up steam. I think if they win this game here, they can really get rolling. The only thing that, that, that scares me as well is every time I seem to doubt Calgary and it's not even just this year, it's even years past. Whenever I think, ah, okay, maybe this just, this isn't the year or, you know what, they're really not playing great right now. Uh, Christian Del Bianco stands on his head or Curtis Dixon has a Superman night. Um, for me, that's the only thing that is, that is concerning for me. Um, but boy, I think, again, I think this could be another really, really good game. Uh, Saskatchewan at Albany. Again, Albany coming off that really, I, I don't want to use the word embarrassing, but maybe it's an embarrassing loss to Rochester a couple of weeks ago, but it's the debut of Benny. Can he make an impact? We talked about it, um, you know, start of the show when we were really dissecting the draft, but 
can he make an impact enough and make enough of an impact in this game to turn the tide and, and take the win from Saskatchewan? To be honest, I think if it was against almost every other single team in the league, I would say yes. But because it's Saskatchewan and Saskatchewan has already dropped a couple of games where they think that they probably should have won, um, building off a lot of momentum from that win um, in Vancouver, I think this is, I think the rush have turned a corner and they're in, in green machine mode right now. Um, I think they're going to, I think this is going to be a close game. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. This is going to be a game that's yeah. tightly contested. Um, but boy, that's a tough task. That's going to be a really, really tough task of a, a rush team that's really starting to click. And I mentioned, yes, they dropped those two games to start, but both games were so close. Mm-hmm. Easily be three and all right now. Yeah, 100%. That that's what they've played three games and all have been within a goal. Yeah, they're they're Yeah. But you know, they could be three. No, they could be zero and three. And that's just, you know, kind of the season that Saskatchewan's had. I kind of agree with you. I kind of think that this is a game they get out of that rut. They get, you know, out of their heads and just play Saskatchewan rush lacrosse. Uh, the NLL TSN game of the week, Toronto at Buffalo. We've kind of talked about it. You'll be there. Abs will be there. But Dan Dawson will be there. It'll be his 300th career national across the game. Uh, but he can also move past John Grant for second all-time points, uh, just continuing to add to his storied career. Yeah, that, that this, this is, I mean, heading into the season, we kind of all had him as one of our season-long storylines that we were going to be looking out for. And, um, you know, is how many, you know, how high can he climb this year uh, up the – the rankings in, in certain, um, uh, what's the word? I'm Statistical for. categories. There you go. That's there it. Go. But, you know, already, I mean, we know he's, he's, you know, barring an injury, like he, he's going to play enough games. He's only the second person. Yeah. That's wild. To play 300 games. So that in its own is remarkable. Um, you know, he's going to continue to climb up the points. He's going to continue to climb up uh, assists and goals. And uh, we don't know how high he's going to get, but we know he's going to continue to climb. The thing with, with, with Dawson is, you know, we've seen flashes of brilliance of him, but we really haven't seen a full 60 out of him of what we're used to seeing. And obviously he's 40 years old. So he's never going to give you the Dan Dawson games that he, you know, where he's going to put up eight, 10 points a night. He's going to put up five, six a night. A lot of them are going to be dimes, but he's going to be your floor general and your quarterback. And, and your, as Vino said, consummate professional each night, he steps on the floor. Exactly. And I think that's all you can expect from him. And and that's something that Toronto wants from him. They don't need him holding the ball on all, all night taking it to the net, getting rocked every single shift. That's not what they brought him in for. And that, that's just not the player he is anymore. And uh, a big thing for him is also, you know, how much he's done for this team and this offense away from the floor, yeah. um, teaching some of these young guys how to be a pro, um, talking to guys, being that extra coach. Um, there is nobody on the planet, and I'm sorry, Teddy, to say this, but there's nobody I enjoy talking and listening to talk about lacrosse more than Dan Dawson oh. having three game chats with him. Yeah. You ask one question and he talks for days and you could just listen to him. Yep. Phenomenal. Over and over. Phenomenal. He gets it. He's one of those guys that gets it. And, and I think it's a byproduct of being in the league for so long that you kind of understand, you know, you, you talk to, you know, rookies and they're very shy and, and they don't like 
really explaining and expanding on things. Like you said, Dan Dawson will break everything down piece by piece, but he also, you know, you talk about, you know, grooming young players and being able to be that extra coach, but he's so knowledgeable. And, and I may have mentioned it when it happened, when Ashley docking asked him a question um, about a sort of a, a nuance during a game, I think it was second shot opportunities. And he was like, you know what? That's a great point. Cause not many people will understand how important that is. He sees, you know, everything he sees the forest through the trees like he understands and he gives credit where credit is due he, he's very unselfish and just such a, such a nice guy and so humble and down to earth but the fire to win and the competitive juices are still there and i, I think going into buffalo I, I think we're going to see one of the best performances from dan dawson we've seen this year uh the last game on the dock at panther city at san diego uh, no Ryan Manesh for Panther City. Zach Greer back in the lineup for San Diego. I think if I'm in that San Diego locker room, I am ensuring that this is a statement game for us. They cannot lay an egg. They cannot have this game be within like two, three goals. They need to put the foot on throats, kill their spirit, whatever analogy and cliche you want to use. This needs to be one of the most dominating performances San Diego's put on the floor because they need to show that they are for real and that early season loss was just a blip. This is a huge night for San Diego at home. They need to not just start strong. They have to finish strong. Mm -hmm. They have to come out, make sure that Panther City doesn't think that they have a chance in the game, but they also have to put them away because we saw they came out and they stomped stomp the roughnecks but then they let the roughnecks get up mm -hmm. throw the next couple of punches and then you know it wasn't a knockout blow it you know ended up going to decision and the judge you know said that they won they had the score but in this game here it has to be a knockout blow early yeah. on and put them away and and one way to do that is you know have a big first half because this is a young team they're learning um, but they're also, they're, they're naive to a point, right? So if you keep them earlier on, then they're going to say, you know, boys, we're in this, we're in this. Look at, look at what Panther city did in that Philadelphia game. You know, they exactly. just, they stuck around, they hung around and, and only lost in overtime when Rambo scored. So, you know, the adage of, of playing down to your opponent is definitely going to be the mindset of this group that they cannot allow that to happen. They have to score first, score last. And like, I, I wanted this to be my hot take, and I, but I didn't want to, you know, diss Panther City too much. But with the loss of Ryan Banesh, it is possible that Panther City may not score more than six goals. Wow. You know, wow. it's the way that that like when we saw what that San Diego defense can do and they did it to Calgary, if they can play that full 60 minutes and Siggs is on his game, I can easily say, see them holding Panther City to under six goals. Yeah, I, and I mean, they're, yeah, I, I absolutely can too. But you know for a fact that coaching staff is going to have a, a fire lit under, Pan, uh, under Panther City's bus. Of course. And, you know, like course. no one no one believes us, you know. Yeah. Look, we just traded away, you know, our, our most lucrative offensive asset. Everyone's counting us out. We'll prove it. Who wants, you know, who wants it out here, right? <laughs> and that's where San Diego has to know. They're going to come out flying. Let's weather the storm. 
put them out early and just keep our foot on the throat. Let's try to win you some money. Uh, sponsored by CoolBet. It's time for Box Bets. Time now for Box Bets. Your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLF. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> all right. It's been a few weeks since we've had a boosted parlay. Um, and we think we got a good one for you this week. Oh, do we ever? <laughs> do we ever? I, I love this one. I really do. I love all of them. Let's be honest. I love all of them. But this one here, I really like. So, Firewolves rush under 22 and a half. Mm-hmm. Rochester Nighthawks plus one and a half. So, they, all they have to do is just lose by one goal or they can win and they'll cover that. And then to finish it off, we threw a little, little softball in there. San Diego seals, just a win. doesn't matter if they win by 50 or if they win by one, just need to win the game. They can win in overtime. It doesn't matter. Seals to win parlay that all together. We have boosted it up to three fifty. Let's go three fifty. I absolutely love this one. Teddy, do you like it too? I do. Um, I think, and you know, one of my juicy side bets we'll talk about in a minute is involving that Rochester game. I, I think them in Calgary go toe to toe all game long. Um, I think it's going to be a fantastic matchup. I don't think Albany and Saskatchewan get anywhere near 22 and a half. Um, and then San Diego, and I think that's just easy money. Uh, I think this is, other than week one, I think this is our best box bets we've had so far. I think so too. And I think, you know, when you see Albany and you see Saskatchewan, you immediately think under, and I think both of them right now are one and two with the overs. So the, the, the under is hit twice in their games. Um, or sorry, one and one for Albany. So it's gone over once and gone under uh, the other. But with that being said, there is a chance that, you know, we see these teams explode for offense because you look at the names, especially on Saskatchewan, they can go off. Um, or even if it's a blowout, um, you could still see this, this over hit. But like I mentioned before, Saskatchewan's really finding their stride defensively. Uh, I think they're going to really want to lock things down for, for Adam shoot and, and let him kind of find his groove again. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side, we know Albany, um, they're looking for offense, but offense is really never their, their MO, right? Like they're, they're a team that is built from their goaltender out. They like to play fast. They, they like to play up tempo. Um, but they're not looking to get into a track meet by any stretch of the imagination. Um, all right. I got a couple of juicy side ones for you. I like Sask minus one and a half at plus more than 35. I, I, I just think there's an opportunity that they can expand that lead on Albany and, and kind of cover that. And then Roch money line at plus plus one thirty. We, we just don't know which Calgary team is going to show up yet. We still don't know. And if Rochester can play the way they did against Albany, nobody thought they were going to do what they did to Albany. Um, you know, I think if they can find a money line uh, and win that game at plus 130, a couple little juicy sides for you. I, I like both of those a lot. I really do. Um, my two favorite bets, though, um, the one we kind of already touched on it, San Diego minus two and a half at minus 128. Um, side note, though, the two and a half 
underdog. So the plus two and a half underdog is undefeated this year. So So I'm going against the trade or the trends here. I'm going against the trends, but what they say with trends, it has to come to an end. I think the end is here. I think we finally see a two and a half favorite cover the spread. And I think the seals win by more than three. The other one that I really like a lot is over Philly and Georgia Mm. over 20 and a half. What are we doing here guys with, with, with these offenses, with it being an afternoon game, I already said it crazy things happen in these afternoon games. (laughs) I think this is going to be a goal fest, uh, especially with the uncertainty in net for Philly. Um, Even if Higgy plays, He's playing with a broken nose. Like what happens if he takes a, a shot off the, off the face? He has to come out. Yeah. Um, Georgia, we know they're a team that they're, they're starting to change their identity and becoming a much better defensive team, which actually they're a fun team to watch defensively. Now they're yeah. fast, they're young, they're athletic, but let's not forget. They still have a, you know, a lot of firepower up front. Um, so this is a game over 20 and a half. Um, I love it. I love it. It could be a, you know, 10, 11 or 11, 10 final. And, and, and then by bet caches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not even that high scoring. I see it being a little bit higher. I'd probably bet this one up all the way to 21 and a half, 22 and a half maybe. But uh, I think we see some goals uh, uh, in Philly that night or that afternoon. That afternoon. Uh, it's, it's like even a morning game for me, 9 a.m. for us. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys Coast. are waking up out of, getting oh, out of it's so good. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh. Mimosas and lacrosse. What a lifestyle. Um, all right. That was your box bets for week six. Uh, of course, uh, if it is your first time betting with cool bet, uh, go up there, click that tab. OTCB is the code. We'll match up to 200 on your very first donation or what not donation. That's not the word I want. Well, when you're as bad as a better as me, it's a <laughs> I am donating that money. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll match up to $200 on your first bet, essentially, uh, of your money that you put into your account, um, up to $200. And of course, uh, Patty has further details because it's his thing. Of course. So you, when you log on there, create your account, you can see that little green button to put in before you put in your deposit. You'll see bonus code. Click that, put in OTCB will double your deposit up to 200 Canadian terms and conditions do apply. And as always, as we say, Teddy, stay cool. Bet responsibly. Um, all right. Oh, final wait, wait, thoughts. Wait, wait. Before, before we get to, oh, before we get to what? It. Sorry. What? I know I said I'm a bad better. <laughs> I, I know I said I, I am a bad better. Okay. okay. But one thing I'm pretty good at betting yeah. is golf. Oh, I we know we're big golf guys. Oh, I saw this bet of yours. I like this. I just like this. The season is kicking off with the Century Tournament of Champions, and normally my boosted up parlays for golf um, at Coolbet is usually to make the cut. But unfortunately, or fortunately, um, there's no cuts in this tournament. It's a no cut tournament. Mm -hmm. So I got a little bit creative here, and I think I've got a big winner. And boy, the folks at Coolbet certainly juice this one up for us. So. Paul Morikawa, top 10. Victor Hovland, top 10 finish. Max Homa, top 20 finish. All three of those guys. Put them together, plus 520 
Come on. All we need, Hovland, Morikawa, finish in the top 10. Homa, finish in the top 20. Plus, uh, I really do like that. Um, I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, I I made the damn thing. So I <laughs> did you? Okay. Okay. I think I'm hopping on that one. Um, we talked about it. I don't want to talk about it, but I, I need your help. Um, the Hyman parlay with the Oilers. Was that you? Of course that was me. Of course yes. that was me. Thank <laughs> you. No McDavid, no Barry. We've you won two of our score. last 13 games. You know he's going to score. And this is going to be this is bad podcasting because the game is going to be over by then. But I will say, these are the games that the Leafs always lose. The games that everyone expects, oh, they're going to they're gonna win. They're going to come in here. They're going to walk all over them. They're no McDavid, no Nuge. These are the games that they usually piss away. So if you're listening to this, you're probably laughing right now because I'm in at a hat trick. Uh, Dreisaitl had two goals. And the Leafs lost 5-1. And and now the Leafs are... God, I hope that is the case. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see. We're so bad. We're almost as bad as the Sabres. Actually, we're probably worse than the Sabres. Don't say that. I don't know. I I think you guys should do um, a future prop bet. Who who gets... What happens first? Oilers get a new goalie or Tippett gets canned, but... Ooh, I like that. I actually don't hate that at all. I might have to have a conversation with the polar bear. <laughs> uh, I see your computer's dying as you plug your, your computer in. Uh, that means we've talked for way too long. Um, thanks, thanks to Matt Vince uh, for joining us, the champ. Thanks to Kurt Wagger for giving us a little surprise appearance. And, of course, thanks to all of you for listening in. Again, nllshop.com, fanatics.ca. You can get all your team apparel, but you can also – Get in one of those fantastic Every Child Matters t-shirts, donations going to a couple of great foundations. Um, And I hope you can enjoy the games this weekend. Again, ESPN game of the week is the Philadelphia game. TSN game of the week is the Buffalo game. If you can watch them, watch them on TV. If you can get to them, get to them. But as always, be safe. Take care of yourself. And Patty, I'm I'm like a proud dad moment right here, man. Uh, I am... So thrilled that you get to call your first ever game on national TV with TSN. Uh, you and Abs, you can do an absolutely fantastic job. Uh, bring the energy and have some fun, my brother. I appreciate it, Teddy, honestly. And uh, if it wasn't for a lot of your guidance, uh, I don't think I would be uh, getting the opportunity. So uh, I got to give a lot of credit to you for uh, for me even getting to this point. But I'm excited. Um, you know, uh, John, he's super thrilled. Um, we're excited to get down there. Like, like I mentioned before, you know, a little bit different, uh, situation with, uh, the COVID protocols, but we're going to be in the building. It's, it's going to be rocking cause they're going to have some fans in there and it's going to be an unbelievable game. And I can't wait. Appreciate it, buddy. Uh, you're going to do awesome. You're going to have fun. You're going to have a blast. It's going to be an incredible game. It's going to be an incredible week. The national crossing is back after a short hiatus. But we are on, and let's hope we don't have another stoppage. He's Pat Gregoire, at P. Greggy. I'm Teddy Jenner, at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast. Find us on Instagram, OTCB podcast. Enjoy the games. Stay safe. And until we speak again, be excellent to each other. I am an alcoholic.